Hi, I'm Professor Katie Hampson, and this is Rabies Today, where we take a look at current issues surrounding a very old disease. Rabies Today is brought to you by the United Against Rabies Forum, a global platform bringing together a range of partners who are committed to ending human deaths from dog-mediated rabies. Let's be clear, stopping human deaths from rabies transmitted by dogs is a completely achievable goal. In fact, major international organizations working on rabies agreed back in 2018 that they could achieve that goal by 2030. It's known as zero by 30. You can get involved on the website unitedagainstrabies.org. While rabies used to be found all over the world, today it's largely a disease of poverty, a neglected zoonotic disease, and it still kills one person about every 10 minutes in the poorer parts of the world. Almost half of those deaths are children. What it will take to achieve zero by 30 is for public health, animal health, and other important sectors to work together. And that's what the United Against Rabies Forum is all about. In this six-part series, we'll be looking at some key questions around rabies control, starting with a gap in access to emergency rabies medicines. Strictly speaking, there is no treatment for rabies. It's the most lethal virus that we know. If you're exposed to a rabid dog or animal bite and you do not get post-exposure prophylactic vaccinations, there's roughly a one in five chance that you'll go on to develop rabies. Once rabies symptoms begin, that's it you'll inevitably die. However, if you can get to a clinic quickly and get that series of post-exposure injections, they will stop the virus reaching your central nervous system and you'll be just fine. These vaccines are extremely effective, possibly the most effective ones that actually exist. But the problem is there's a gap in access to these rabies vaccines. If you live in a wealthy country or a big city, it's pretty likely that you'll be able to get hold of these life-saving post-exposure injections. But if you live in a poor setting or in a remote or rural area in many parts of Africa or Asia, you may not. And even if these medicines are available, they may be unaffordable to you. And the requirement to get at least three shots over the course of a week can be a major deterrent to completing the course. Given that we've known for decades how to stop rabies killing people, why isn't more progress being made? And what can be done about it? So my first guest is Dr. Bernadetta Bella from the World Health Organization, who is also a member of the steering group of United Against Rabies. Hi, Bernadette. Why are people still dying from rabies every year when effective vaccines to prevent the disease have existed for more than 100 years? more than 150 countries still have rabies. And just to clarify from the onset, there is no treatment currently available. What we're trying to do is a race against the virus before it reaches our central nervous system. For that, we do have vaccines and immunoglobulins. But as you just mentioned, Katie, often rabies occurs in places where poorer populations are, where health systems are not well-equipped so vaccine doesn't reach the primary health care system. Often it is very expensive for the patient to buy the vaccines and causes catastrophic out-of-pocket expenses. So we do have the tools since um, Pasteur created this vaccine, but we often stumble at bringing the vaccine to the people in need 
and that the people understand that vaccine is life-saving. Interesting. So Bernadette, can you tell us at the international level, at the level that you're working at, what do you think can actually be done to improve access to these emergency essential medicines? So the international organisations are able to bring all the evidence together from around the world and make the case for investment, for example, and action to overcome this disease, which we can eliminate by 2030 if we put our tools to action. So, for example, Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance in 2018, included rabies in their investment strategy. The rollout was paused due to the pandemic, and now we wait impatiently to see whether in the next months, potentially, there might be a a rollout of rabies vaccines to the countries in need. I mean, obviously, it's it's really concerning that the Gavi investment has been paused. But can you tell us just what difference do we think Gavi investment could actually make? How would that change the situation? So we know that we have three pillars to overcome rabies. One is vaccination of dogs. That's how you remove the risk from the environment. The second, and very important, if you want to save people now, we need the vaccines in health clinics that people can access. And so if Gavi would roll out their vaccine investment strategy, one of the pillars would be fulfilled. And that has a catalytic spot for all the other parts of a rabies program, because by rolling out rabies vaccines in humans, we start to understand where the critical areas are to go in and prevent in dogs. We have better data that way. So it is more than a sum of its parts, the investment in human rabies vaccine that will actually catalyze the rest of the programs, including awareness raising, because part of what we'd have to do is build the demand in communities to actually access the vaccines if Gavi rolled it out. Thanks, Bernadette. Let's go to our next guest now, Dr. Maddie Savadogo of Rabies Free Burkina Faso, who has just been appointed the National Director of Animal Health. Congratulations, Maddie, and welcome. So what is the current situation there in Burkina Faso in terms of access to rabies emergency medicines? Thank you, Katie, for the question. As you know, uh, the situation is uh, very dangerous in Burkina Faso, where we have uh, over 70% of biting dogs were positive for rabies. So if uh, a person are, is bitten by a dog, there is a real risk of getting infected by the virus especially if uh, PEP is not provided on time. However, in uh, the context of Burkina Faso, we only have two rabies treatment center in the whole country. The first one is located in uh, the capital city, Ouagadougou, and the second one in Bobo Dioulasso, our second biggest city. Even in the, these big cities, sometimes we are facing uh, uh, vaccine shortages. So we often try to help people by going to the private uh, pharmacies, uh, but they also do not have uh, always talks. And when they do, the vaccine is very expensive uh, and people cannot afford it. Do you have any idea how many people are bitten by dogs each year in Burkina Faso? Like uh, many countries, uh, especially in Africa, rabies is uh, really underreported in Burkina Faso. So we don't have good data. That is uh, one of... Uh, biggest problem about rabies control in Burkina Faso, but around 10,000 bite victims are recorded by the rabies treatment center. 
uh, only is in Waladugu, we have uh, about uh, 10,000. That is around 28 people per day. But we think uh, most of that cases remain not reported across the country and only about uh, 25 people are officially reported dying uh, from rabies is here in, uh, in the country. In uh, the capital city, Wakadugu, the university hospital patients who are showing clinical signs of uh, rabies, but as you can know, it is too late and all they can do is offer palliative care and make them more comfortable before they, they die. So how do you think the international community can help then? Burkina Faso recently adopted a national plan for rabies control. It was completed last November and the situation is quite unstable in Burkina Faso, especially regarding the political side. But what we can request for now are funds to implement this strategic plan. And it will include how to make sure people can get rabies vaccine and rabies immunoglobulin, even if they are far from the main cities like Waga and Bobo, where we have the rabies treatment centers. The other big challenge for us is the access to dog vaccines and also the public awareness raising. Too many people don't know what to do if they are bitten by the dogs. And um, even many health and veterinary workers are uh, not uh, well aware about what to do. So we need investment in all this area, human and dog vaccines, public education, and education across uh, the professional in human and animal health sectors. Thank you, Maddie. Let's go to Paris now to speak with Professor Hervé Bory from the Institut Pasteur. Thank you, uh, Dr. Armstrong. I'm excited to speak with you as you're in the historical epicentre of rabies research. It was just over 130 years ago that Louis Pasteur injected a nine-year-old boy, Joseph Meister, with a series of rabies vaccines after he'd been badly bitten by a rabid dog. Things have changed since then, but as Maddie was saying, there are big challenges. We have much better vaccines, but it's still a complex regimen to deliver. Do you think there's more progress that can still be made? So we and others all over the world, we work hard to try to shorten, simplify the uh, post-exposure prophylaxis regimen. And as you mentioned, tremendous progresses have been performed. So I think we, we try to first to reduce the number of injections. Then we shift to from the intramuscular route to the intradermal route. And that was a great achievement because this saves a lot of uh, uh, vaccine and uh, so we we shifted from uh, injections of 0.5 of of one milliliter to simply 0.1. So this addresses a major problem of the post-exposure prophylaxis, which is the cost. So now we have quite simple regimens, not so expensive, but still, as you as you said, this is still complex because it requires at least three visits. And, and you know that when you are in a rural areas working in the fields, I mean, you cannot afford uh, leaving your fields and, and, and driving or taking the bus to, to go to the, to the city, which is a few hundred kilometers far from where you are living. So this is, this is a major point of research. We are now in a one-week regimen, so it's, it's, it's good, but still three visits. 
I hope we will we can do better. Probably we will have to shift to other kind of products to have a, a quicker um, elicitation of the uh, immune response and, and a better response. But but still, we don't have this product uh, in our hands. But is it is it still complicated to deliver this regimen to patients? Can you tell me a bit more about that? Oh, thank you. This is a really good question, Katie. Uh, no. Of course it is not. I mean, uh, we have seen that in the past in Asia. I mean, a lot of public health officials are already trained uh, to the intradermal route. So it's being used there for quite a long. We implemented it in, in, in easily in, uh, in Cambodia. Uh, we have been working and, and training people uh, in many countries in Africa. And now it, it is in use in, in Madagascar, we are discussing it in, in uh, Ivory Coast, in Cameroon, and, and many other African countries. So I think this is not really the problem. It will be implemented. We are working on it. Uh, it's, it's not so difficult. Some people are complaining, why did you choose the Atradermal route? The IM is more easy. No, it's not the case. When the people are trained, they can do it easily. That's great. That's super encouraging, Hervé. So um, what do you think, Bernadette? Are you hopeful about the potential for Gavi's investment? As hopeful as we can be. So uh, the Policy and Programme Committee will meet in May and will provide a recommendation to the board who will then meet in June and will take a decision on whether to unpause the rollout of, of rabies vaccine. We are very hopeful. Um, we do have to wait for that decision, but we are ready to go as soon as the green light is shining. <laughs> oh, thank you, Bernadette. I think we're all keeping our fingers super tightly crossed. What a difference it could make, especially when you hear the stories that Dr. Maddy described earlier. Thank you, Bernadette. Thank you so much, Hervé. Thank you, Maddy. This has been our first episode of Rabies Today, and we hope you'll subscribe and follow us on social media. Our handle is at United Against Rabies. I'm Katie Hampson, and please join me in about a month's time for the next instalment. We'll be looking at why rabies is such an underreported disease and what is happening to improve the data. Till then, bye-bye. <laughs>